Good morning, River Life Church. So we're looking at the question. One of your biggest questions is, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, Have you ever asked this question yourself? Most of the time when people ask this question, it's not a theoretical, tell me, you know, why does God let this happen? But most of the time, it's a very personal, experiential, heartfelt question from someone who has experienced something that has happened to them. And the question is usually more like this, why did this bad thing happen to me, to my family? Um, Why this little innocent child? Why my friend? Because the rest of the question usually ends with, because I, or my friend, or this little child, hasn't done anything wrong. So why did this happen to me? Because it isn't fair, and it just doesn't seem right. This This question of why do bad things happen to good people is a question that's been around for centuries. And it was actually a question that one of the main characters of one of the oldest books in the Bible that he asked when horrible things happened to him. So, The book that we're going to talk about today has 42 chapters, which is a lot for us to cover in one sermon. But thankfully, there's the Bible Project, which is an amazing organization, and they put together videos on each book of the Bible to give you a summary of what it is. So we're actually going to take 11 minutes to watch this video, because it will capture the heart of the story. So let's watch. Thank you, Bible Project. So if ever there was someone who was a good person, and we could say good people should only get good things happening to them, it would be Job. I mean, even God bragged about how good Job was. And if ever there was someone who could question why bad things were happening to him, it would be Job. So when Job asks God, you know, why did you let this happen to me? In fact, Job over and over said, you know, God, you are the one who did this to me. Why are you letting this happen? So can you relate to Job? Have things happened to you or to people that you love? And you're like, how could this happen? So maybe you can't relate to how righteous Job is but you can relate to his disappointment, his confusion, his anger, when bad things happen to you, to the people that you love. You may even think as Job did. Job said to God, you know, what do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Job even went so far as to say, God, you have become cruel towards me. You use your power to persecute me. Have you ever said that or wanted to say that? Have you ever complained to your friends, telling them that God has turned on you, and it's as if if he's become your enemy instead of a loving friend, instead of being someone who is powerful and going to save you? Have you ever thought that God had turned on you? If we think it's not fair or just when bad things happen to good people, 
That implies that we believe two explanations of bad things happening. First, we may believe that if a person is bad, then that's why bad things are happening to them. Or we may believe that God is not just after all because he's allowing good people to have bad things happen to them. So let's look at the first perspective. Job's friends believed this perspective. They believed that basically, if you're good, then good things will happen to you. In fact, one of the friends said to him, if you're really good, you should be confident and have hope in, in your being good. You have nothing to worry about if you're good. But since so many bad things are happening to you, it surely has to be that your sins are really bad, which is why they started making up sins for Job. They accused him of many things, like extorting his relatives, turning away widows, not helping people, misusing his power and his status. One of the friends even said, accused him and said, it's because of your wickedness. There is no limit to your sins. That is why you are surrounded by traps and tremble from sudden fears. And that is why you cannot see in the darkness and waves of water cover you. Basically, you're experiencing all this suffering because you're a bad person. That's what they were saying to him. Many, if not most, religious people and many religions throughout the centuries actually believe this. And today, even, there are many uh, Christians who also believe that if you're good, you'll only get good, but if you're bad, then bad things will happen to you. This, unfortunately, you, when you were suffering, you might have heard people say this to you. So for example, there are some people who believe and some pastors who will actually preach that if you can't get pregnant, it's because either you or your spouse is committing a sin and God is punishing you. And in order to get pregnant, you will have to repent of that sin. So that would be that perspective that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. The other perspective, the second explanation, is that if, good things, if bad things happen to good people, then God must not be just because he's not getting it right. How could he do that? Because that's not right. Eventually, this is where Job landed, because when he saw his suffering, he was like, God, this doesn't make sense. I used to think that I'm walking with you, I'm obedient to you, and everything was going to be okay. But now this happened, because Job knew in his heart that he had not sinned against God, which was true, because God even said, Job is blameless. So, to be fair to Job, though, initially when he suffered, he lost everything he owned. He had 10 children who in one day uh, were killed. And when that happened to him, Job fell to the ground and worshiped God. And Job said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave what I had, 
and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. That is an amazing response to suffering. And the Bible tells us that in all of that, Job did not sin by blaming God for what happened. Nevertheless, Job's original understanding of God was turned upside down when the suffering became unbearable. The, after he lost everything, God allowed Satan to inflict Job himself so that he had sores all over. It said from the top of his head to the bottom of his soles. And he, every day, he just sat on the ground and scratched himself with broken pieces of pottery. That's how much pain he was in. And then his friends came and accused him of all these sins. And so it, it got to the point where Job couldn't stand it anymore. And isn't that the same with you and me? That some of our worst doubts, some of our deepest questionings about God's goodness, about his character and his justice, those things come in the midst of our deepest suffering. It's the pain talking. And usually when the pain talks, it doesn't use nice words, it doesn't use logic, and it doesn't use a calm voice. And that's what we see when Job was in so much pain, he said whatever was on his mind. So Greg and I first met our freshman year in, our, in college. Um, we weren't interested in each other at the time, so I don't even remember like the first time we actually met. But I do remember the first thing I learned about him. Um, so one of my friends told me something that Greg had said, and his words really impressed me. Evidently, during a night of stargazing uh, with some of our mutual friends, Greg had made the statement while they were watching, looking at the stars, Greg had said that he realized how small human beings are in the presence of God, the almighty creator, when he looked at the stars. Now, I hadn't even had a single conversation with him yet at this point, but I was intrigued by this young man's awe of God because his awe indicated to me that he had a, a right spirit, a humble and right spirit. Because how easy it is for us to forget who we are. We think that we're smart, we think that we're capable. With our technology as human beings, we can do anything. With our brains, we can logically think anything through and come to a conclusion. And so we think we're all that. And we think God should respect how intelligent we are. And perhaps Christians wouldn't actually say that but with our subtle things that we believe in the individualistic mindset of American Christianity, I think it's really easy for us to take offense when God does something or says something that isn't logical to us. We're like, huh? How can you think that way, God? That doesn't even make sense. As though God should think the way we do. And so when we read that Job lost his 10 children in one day, we're like, God, how dare you do such a horrible thing? 
It's not surprising then that whenever someone challenges God's authority or his power, his sovereignty to rule the world, that one of the first things God does is he reminds us humans of our status as a creature in the face of him, the creator. After Job's ranting and raving about how unfair it was that he, this righteous man, should suffer so much, and after he challenged God to come and explain everything to him, God does show up. Job wanted his day in court so that he could accuse God. God shows up, but instead, Job is the one in the hot seat, and God puts Job in his place. I want to read a couple things that God said to him. He said a lot of things, but in Job 38, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you can, if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. So when you read what God said to Job, you get the sense that God is like, really? Like, tell me. Uh, there's even a little sarcastic tone. Like, were you there? Were you born before this happened? Do you have all that experience? God questions Job about Job's ability to understand how the universe works and Job's ability to keep it going. God was basically saying, Job, if you're so smart, then why don't you run the universe? And why don't you punish bad people? So God never did answer Job's question about why God allowed bad things to happen to Job because God didn't need to. He had clearly made the point to Job that as the creator, God does not need to answer to the creature who has virtually no understanding of what's going on. Earlier in this series, Greg taught us from Micah 6, verse 8, that God requires his people to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Job was not being humble when he challenged God when he questioned God. When God showed up, God said, the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? That's what God said to Job. I want to Read verse 8 again. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? At this point, I can imagine Job is like quaking, like, oh, okay, right? 
in our pain and suffering, in our anger and frustration, at our confusion at the perceived injustice that has taken place in our own lives, will we discredit God's justice? Will we condemn him to prove that we're right? Or will we, like Job, instead go to God and ask him and tell him how frustrated we are and then let God have the final word? When God finished his questioning of Job, there was no possibility of Job trying to exert his intelligence or his rights. He was thoroughly humbled when God showed up. This is how he responded in the last chapter of Job, Job 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job was humbled, and he said, I'm sorry, I, my pain out of pain, I said things that I know nothing about. I take it all back. Forgive me, basically. Chuck Swindoll, who is a pastor, um, wrote this about Job's suffering. He said, instead of asking where God is in the midst of your pain, the book of Job affirms God's control and asks us, where are we in our pain? Are we trusting our creator even though we cannot understand our circumstances? When Greg and I first discovered that we couldn't get pregnant, we didn't know what to do. It seemed like a total waste for two healthy, uh, highly educated, emotionally stable, financially stable, super kind, wonderful, loving people. It seemed like a waste that we couldn't have kids. And besides, isn't having kids a right that you and I as human beings should have? What was God doing to us? Why was he putting us through this? We sighed a lot, we cried a lot, asked for lots of prayers, got lots of tests done, got poked and prodded. We tried to not be resentful when all our friends were popping out babies left and right. And we waited for God to do something or to tell us something. For a year, we prayed every night, asking God to give us children. The next year, we began to ask God whether or not we should have children. And by the third year, we asked God to change our hearts so that we would desire his will above our own. And it was at that time when we really wanted to know God's heart for us, rather than imposing what we wanted on him, that God answered our prayer. 
In a dream that I had, God said to me, in my infinite wisdom, I have chosen to withhold children from you. My heart was completely broken at that moment because I knew that that was God telling us what was on his mind and giving us his decision on whether or not we would have children. I woke up crying and I shared the dream with Greg. But from that moment on, both of us had complete peace about the situation. God had spoken that this was God's good and perfect will for Greg and me, and we had to trust our Creator whether or not we understood the reasoning behind it. And it was in this pain, in this struggle, in this going to God with it, that God met us, just like God met Job in the middle of his pain and suffering. And now, 15 years after we started trying to have kids, Greg and I feel content, happy, fulfilled without children. God's infinite wisdom in withholding children from us has borne fruit that he and I never would have imagined 15 years ago. In the mindset of his greatest pain and suffering, Job had a hard time believing that God was going to be good to him again and that life would be the way it was and that he would be happy again. He couldn't ever think of himself as being happy again. But he chose to trust in God with it all. And the last verse of the book of Job tells us that Job lived to be an old man who had lived a long, full life. He didn't think he would live a long, full life, but he did. So why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good, why do good people not have children? Why do good people get sexually abused? Why do good people bear children who have um, disorders? Why do bad things happen to good people? Only God truly knows, and you and I may never know. But are you willing to trust God's wisdom? Join me in prayer. God, you are the creator. You put the stars in place. You tell the moon when to come and go. And Lord, we, we enjoy it all, but we could never comprehend how it all started or how to keep it going. When we come before you, our creator, we realize that we're creatures at your mercy but more than that, we are creatures that you love and that you will take care of us, no matter what the circumstances around us may look like. So, Lord, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you, you are our creator and you get the final say. Lord, we give you all our suffering. We give you all our pain, our brokenness, the things that have happened to us that we don't understand, Lord, we give it to you, and we trust in you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.